1: Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. I'm Rhys. And I'm Ed. Three of us joining up here. We are recording on Sunday, just 24 hours after our last pre-season game against Everton. And yeah, look, we've only got a few days left till the start of the season. It's come around quickly has been a slightly kind of disjointed pre-season but I think it has been for a lot of the teams so it shouldn't make that much difference uh, you know, we're going to have a quick chat about the Everton game, who started there, who we think might start against Leeds. And then, yeah, have a big look at where, what are we kind of expect for the season, really. Are we ready to challenge? Um, what are we expecting? You know, I actually saw some comments from Roy Keane, who he said he thinks we're still one or two players away from being able to challenge the likes of City and Chelsea, and which I don't actually agree with, because I think that our squad is damn good and ready to go. But, yeah, I will be interested in your two thoughts on that. But, uh, look, let's just start looking at that Everton game. Um, you know, a lot of people online were making big deals about us losing some of these pre-season games earlier on uh whereas to me you know pre-season results don't matter at all so we can't means we can't get that excited about the fact that we spanked Everton either but I know Everton and um you know they're supposed to be coming in with Benitez and everything and they had a relatively strong team out so to come out 4-0 is good morale for the season at least uh I know you watched both of you watched this match in full so yeah I mean Ed do you think like you know this is a reasons to be cheerful or is it just you know another pre-season game really no
2: i think it's reasons to be cheerful it, it it was a strong i know it's just a pre-season friendly but it was a strong effort it's only richarlison and um who was the other player missing i can't remember his name now but um yeah we, we played well scored a few go- goals bruno looked on it which you know is always important for the for the season um Maguire contributed with a header, which, you know, he actually found the back of the net with a header. So, you know, it's it those sorts of things are things you need to be happening irrespective of the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, the other player they do have missing is uh Gilfie Sigurdsson. And maybe we won't go into too much detail about why he's missing because no, there's the, another the,
2: striker, um, a Calvert Loon. Calvert-Lewin, that's Oh, thing. yeah,
1: Calvert-Lewin, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were missing their kind of firepower. Um, but yeah, look, on the kind of side of just going into the season, it does feel good. I mean, the only problem was that we obviously had that one game postponed against Preston. So this is the only pre-season minutes quite a lot of our players have had. I mean, uh, Rhys, do you think this is going to be something that impacts us and is going to cause a problem? Because, you know, last season... We had a really bad start to the season and a lot of people put that down to the kind of lack of pre-season. Do you think this is going to be an issue this time round?
0: I can't see how it won't be an issue, but I think a lot of teams are going through the same same problems. I think there's going to be a lot of hangovers from the Euros. I think if you looked at City, the way they were playing against Leicester, they looked really off the pace in Community Shield. Um, Liverpool look off the pace in pre-season as well. So I think it's going to be a common theme uh, from the big teams that they will struggle going in but i think today was a it was a very strong Everton side i know we've mentioned Richarlison's missing Calvert-Lewin's missing but it was still i thought on paper it looked a very dynamic Everton lineup and we looked com- comfortable victors i mean i know a lot of the goals that we scored today can be attributed to Pickford taking off an England shirt and putting back his Everton shirt and <laughs> showing what he's really made of. Um, but it was still it was still impressive. We looked really solid in defence and obviously we will touch upon the midfield, etc. But um, I think our backup players who will probably start the season and then get out of the team as, as we move into the season, I think they'll be fit enough and they're raring to go for us to make a good start to the season, hopefully.
2: Yeah, and um, I'd just like to say, I don't think if Dominic Calvert-Lewin or um, Richarlison were on, they'd have scored. But we, we, were, Everton weren't creating anything in that first half at all.
0: There was a lot of safe passes, wasn't there? Um, yeah. They, I mean, I thought Damari Gray looked lively, uh, but he was sort of what he was doing was getting into pockets of space and then passing it back. Whereas if he had just literally received it, turned and then started running out of defence, I'm not saying he would have got change out of it mm. but at least it would have been something and i thought Hammers was doing the same thing where he was picking the ball up in nice positions but then the end pass was was poor um so we the defense really didn't get tested much And oh,
2: that's probably fair
1: yeah and you know we haven't had either of our Big summer signings on show yet. I mean, since the last time we recorded, Sancho was fully confirmed and Varane, although is still subject to medical and whatever, is now, I think, in the country under quarantine and will soon be going through some of that administration process of getting the signing done. I read today
2: Uh, that um, it could be signed by Wednesday so we'd be able to train on Thursday and Friday.
1: Yeah, so that'll be interesting. I mean, I I think if he's only even coming in to train Thursday, Friday, I would not expect him to play next weekend. Uh, I remember we had this scenario when Harry Maguire came in quite late, but he was a player who knew the Premier League, knew some of the players and kind of came straight in just a couple of days after signing. With Varane, it's a bit different. I would not expect him to be involved against Leeds, but, uh, you know, slowly, slowly he should be coming in over there. Uh, I know, Reese that, yeah, you've done quite an in-depth tactical thing on Varane, right? I think it's uh, probably yeah well, a good moment to go into that. I mean, look, I think everybody knows he's obviously top, top class player for Champions League, World Cup. You know, he's got everything, everything on his kind of medals table. And for me, like, you know, it's a kind of dream signing, basically. I've said all last season and this summer that for me, the number one priority after right wing was centre-back, whereas a lot of other people think it's defensive midfield. But for me, Lindelof was a big weak link in the team, and we were giving away awful goals time and time again, which was throwing away points. So to get an upgrade from Lindelof to Varane for me is huge. Uh, I mean, I know, yeah, you keep a bit more eye on people players' tactical side. So, yeah, what, what how, how do you think Varane's going to slot in?
0: Well, I think you've covered it perfectly there in, in terms of summary, which is Varane is basically the anti Lindelof from a defensive perspective. Um everything that Lindelof is weak at, Varan assuming he's his heart's in it and he's he's in normal level of form, um he excels at. So for example, long balls, um, he he's not the type of defender who's gonna let that ball bounce into areas and then be uh, panicking when the balls sort of needed to be headed back to his keeper he's someone who's excellent in the air he's got that recovery pace to deal with a defensive situation so he's going to sweep up behind Harry Maguire whereas currently there's no real distinction between Maguire and Lindelof who's meant to be the defensive sweeper at the two and we're sort of caught in no man's land a lot with those two whereas with Varane there, you know he's going to have the recovery pace to do all of that sweeping up and Maguire can sort of be more of the viditch in the defence and really going for his headers and stuff. So it's going to be quite similar to how Maguire plays for England, uh, which John Stones is what I anticipate happening with Varane coming in. Um, so yeah, and his one-on-one defending is superb. So again, I expect United to push up the pitch more now because they'll have that blank safety blanket, knowing that if anyone does get through uh, Wan-Bissaka Luke Shaw in, in wide areas, what well, Wan-Bissaka, because I'm assuming he's going to play right centre back then he's going to be there to take that man out in a one-on-one situation so that is a massive for for United and I also think we've been done a lot at the far post with Juan Bissaka's poor positioning and Lindelof's not been able to bail Juan Bissaka out of those situations because he himself is also poor in aerial situations and Varan's a monster in the air so you know I don't know if you've seen how tall the guy is but he's I think he's 6'3. Six, six he's a big presence. Um, but then he's got a wonderful leap to go with it and timing in the air. So, you know, Touchwood, as long as his heart's in it, that is a massive signing for United from a defensive perspective.
1: Yeah, exactly. And despite being a monster in size-wise, he's still fast as well. Uh, You know, that was often an issue with Lindelof, where, you know, high balls, he's getting caught out, and he's not able to track back fast enough. And, you know, I think these kind of things should not be an issue anymore. Uh, So, yeah, look, we're looking forward to these players getting back involved it is a shame that it's been kind of delayed and they've not been involved in pre-season we've also still yet to see Cavani uh, arrive, he was given a kind of extended break after the copper, and then the other two who are missing were Baye and Ahmad who were playing out in the Olympics and have still not returned but apart from that Everybody else is back. Uh, even seeing Phil Jones back in training. Although, yeah, he wasn't involved in this Everton game. Um, but, yeah, I expect that the defence that lined up against Everton will be the defence that lines up against Leeds. So David De Gea, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, Shaw. That, I think...
2: I wouldn't be surprised if he just chucks him in, though, to be honest.
1: Do you think Varane could still start next weekend?
2: I, I don't see why not. we just talked about all the qualities he's got. I don't... See why why you wouldn't just you know is it is a world class player just get it let get him started get him going, get the defense settled.
0: I think that is possible that that could happen because he's that level of player where you could just throw him in. He's got a natural good yeah, level of exactly. fit, natural good level of fitness. He's not the sort of guy who's going to come in overweight. Um, he's he's proper lean, mean. Um. But yeah, I can also see your point as well, Nick, which is he could just go for the tried and tested and just let maybe Varane come in the week after, perhaps. Um, it, it's tough to say at this stage because it, it is so many players just coming back here and there. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I think Oli must be conscious of the fact that, you know, last season we didn't make a great start. And as much well, as
1: awful, we had an awful start, yeah, and you know, so, it took us a while to make up for it. Yes, yeah, so as
0: much as he wants to try and ease people back in, he's got to also balance it with the fact that we need results right here, right now. And mm. what better way to do it than just to chuck everyone in? And within three games, you know, they'll probably be up to the pace then rather than taking the time with it. And two months down the line, you still haven't managed to get everyone, you know, you're, you're starting 11, they're ready, knowing each other inside out.
1: Yeah, it is difficult to kind of find that balance between because he's obviously had certain players who've had a full preseason and they're not necessarily our first choices. You know, whether it's the likes of Matic, Mata, you know, they've been there the whole time. So you'd say, you know, they're the most up to speed, but they wouldn't usually be the ones starting for us. And, you know, the midfield who started against Everton was Matic, van der Beek. Bruno. And, you know, one of the really interesting things that I was looking out for was to see if there was any signs of a kind of formation change or tactical switch, Uh, you know, last season, although Ole did change a few times and we had a diamond and a few different things going on at some point, his mostly reverted always to the double pivot. That was most of the time as well. Fred and McTominay. I mean, sometimes he did mix it up and Pogba played there as well. And of course, in some cup games and things like that, Matic did play. But that was generally what he went for. And that was his favoured formation. Uh, You know, there's been a lot of press saying that maybe Ole will go for a more kind of progressive attacking style with just one sitting midfielder and two sent forward. Uh, I mean, I didn't fully watch this game and I know you two did. So, Ed, I mean, do you think Some people were saying that they think Matic was holding and we were playing 4-3-3, whereas others were saying, no, it's still a pivot. I mean, what did you see in this match?
2: Well, I thought it was more of a pivot, a double pivot, with um, Van der Beek having more licence to go forwards and and carry the ball and support attack, more so than perhaps, well, I guess McTominay would as well, but um, certainly Matic sat back a bit more,
1: in my assessment. Uh, yeah, and I think he always is going to. I mean, Reese, did you see it like that?
0: I mean, I think I, I mentioned it briefly before our call, which is, you know, players make formations and sometimes we get too caught up with what tactical instructions the manager gave. And sometimes it's just the characteristics of a player that makes the formation look different. Um, so so the way I saw it was, it was kind of a, a double pivot, but obviously Matic just being Matic is, is going to be more of that holding one out of the two And I did see van der Beek dropping deep on the right side of the pitch uh, to pick up the ball and collect it. But at the same time, as Ed's mentioned, he was getting more further forward as well. Um, So it was shifting into a 4-1 per se, where Bruno's Mm. sort of occupying the left half space and van der Beek's occupying the right half space. But you could also say at times it was a double pivot. So I think it's one of those where, you know, you can't really pinpoint what formation it was, um, but what I will say is I thought Matic and van der Beek linked up beautifully for this game. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. And it was just nice to see United just stroke the ball around, control the game and actually have intelligent players in possession. Um, how how often we're going to see this pairing going forwards into the season once everyone's fit and back. And obviously opposition is going to be more fitter and pressing harder as well. It remains to be seen, but... I think it could be quite a useful partnership to see in the first month of the season.
2: I wouldn't be surprised to see van der Beek sort of make that position his own. Well, I'd
0: love to see it. I'd love to see it because he he could be that regista type figure, which we're all crying out for, you know, Mm. someone that just controls a goddamn football match. Um, But um, I have question marks as to whether Ali will retain that faith in him once once the season's sort of properly underway.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean it was interesting that yeah, he changed the midfield at half time. So yeah, Matic and Van Beek started, but at half time he changed to Fred and Pogba. Um you know, I don't know what that says, but he's obviously just trying to give everybody minutes. Just minutes, uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, Matic and Van der Beek have had some minutes already, whereas Pogba and Fred hadn't had any. So it was the first kind of 45 minutes they were getting a run out there. As I say, the midfield for me is the most interesting area of what's going on pre season. It is the biggest area of debate still amongst our kind of fan base. I still see a lot of people online, especially Twitter, saying that we're not going to win the league because we haven't bought like some, you know, defensive midfielder. I personally think that's way over the top. I think, you know, maybe it is an area that maybe we can still improve, but I still think we've got very good options. I think that both Fred and McTominay are underrated as players. Like, you know, neither are world beaters, but they're both good players. Uh, You know, Fred has been selected for Brazil all the way through this copper over there. McTominay as well, playing for Scotland. Uh, You know, Matic is not totally finished yet. People kind of make out as if he's like done. He's just part of the coaching staff or something. Yeah. All right. He's 33. (laughs) He's not going to play every week, but yeah, he's not, he's not finished. And yeah, I do also expect that Vanderbeet will play a lot more this season. I don't think he is going to play much in around that number 10, where I think when he came in, quite a lot of people thought he's going to be the kind of Bruno backup, that he's more of an attacking player. I, when I've seen him, he's seemed more comfortable to me around the midfield Uh, So I expect to see him more around that area. And I don't know, even as you say, like uh, Reese, whether he can even eventually transition into some kind of number six, like, uh, I don't know, a Michael Carrick or something. Maybe it's too much of a stretch, but I think he has a lot of the attributes to be that kind of player personally. He started
0: there. He did start there, but the way Ajax play football, they can kind of throw anyone into that position who's got half decent passing intelligence and but I don't see him as a deep-lying playmaker if I'm being honest in terms of just being the sole uh, CDM pivot Bush get star I just I just don't see it defensively just doesn't have enough coverage in his legs to be able to handle that position but as the the register next to a really strong CDM I could see that I mean today we saw we saw that he can do that role I know it's just pre-season but some of the passes he was playing from those deeper positions, he can really stroke a ball around and control a game of football. Um, But the problem is, as much as um, you've spoken highly about Fred and McTominay, and I agree with those sentiments, I think they get shat on a lot by our fans, and undeservedly so. Um, It's just that they both do function better in a double pivot, with both of them sort of two two boxes next to each other but they wouldn't be able to carry the whole side defensively if it was, say, Van Der Beek next to them. And I think Mm. Van Der Beek would benefit a lot from having like a world... Let's just say there was a Fabinho as the CDM. And then I reckon someone like Van Der Beek would really thrive, having someone like him just completely looking after the game defensively and letting him just basically run the football match. And we don't have that figure, so I think that's holding Van Der Beek back. And I think at times it holds Pogba back because... You know, I've said before, Pogba's best position is as a advanced a, as a mazala. But uh, the reason why he can sometimes do it for France is because defensively, they're quite very secure and sometimes in the midfield positions. And if we had like a really top, top CD, like a Matic who was like five years younger, then I think guys like Pogba and Van Der Beek, you could throw them into these deeper midfield areas and they wouldn't be so uh, vulnerable.
1: Mm. Yeah. And I mean, Pogba is still a kind of question mark for the season yet. I mean, there's still rumours about is he going? Is he staying? It looks like he's staying now. He's obviously not signed a new contract. I am not happy with him going into the season, not having committed to the club, going to the last year. Uh, for me, it's, you know, a shame and kind of mismanagement from the club that he's even been allowed to get to this situation again. Uh, you know, we all know his agent is a very difficult and will do whatever he can just to cause trouble even because he's never had a good relationship with our club all the way back to Alex Ferguson. Um, so, yeah, I'm not comfortable in general with this situation, but I still think that if Pogba's around, it won't affect him and he's will still play well for us at least and he is a good player Uh, but yeah I really do think that his contract situation has to be sorted out I mean I could not handle at all him walking away for free for the second time uh, next summer I mean that's just something that doesn't bear thinking about I mean if he's not re-signing we should try and sell him but I think yeah maybe the problem in the transfer market is that nobody actually wants him or nobody's ready to pay the money anyway I mean he's been linked with Paris Saint-Germain but I think now all of a sudden if they're trying to put together a deal for buying Messi that they're not going to have much money left even if they are kind of the bottomless pit of oil cash that they have over there. Um, but yeah, I think even they might struggle.
2: The latest the latest rumour is that they're not interested in Pogba now that Messi's a, um sort of pretty much a done deal. That's died down.
1: Yeah, and I actually think it's more than possible that they weren't interested anyway, and that it's all just agent talk to try and get a better contract out of us. Uh I still think that it is all just about that Pablo wants to re-sign and it's just about him getting the deal from the club. Uh, He's obviously asking for a hell of a lot of money. You know, there's different kind of figures thrown out there. Who knows what the reality is? But I'm sure he's looking for more than any of our other players is on, which to me is not justified. Uh, You know, even if he's a high profile player, He had a good season, but I don't think he deserves to be like way ahead of anybody else in the squad, that's for sure. Um, But yeah, look, one way or another, that's still an issue and where he's going to play and whatever is a whole other question. But yeah, it does just leave a bit of a kind of question mark over everything in that midfield area still. Um, But then, yeah, moving on to the more attacking areas. And yeah, Pogba, of course, could fill one of these against uh, Leeds next week if Mm -hmm. needed. But yeah, Greenwood starts wide. Martial starts up front and James was out. On the left side, yeah. uh, we are missing, obviously, Rashford is not going to be around for a while. And um, I'd say Cavani still hasn't played any minutes. The only one of those trio that I'm sure will absolutely start against Leeds is Mason Greenwood, just because he's had most of a preseason. Uh, whether he starts up front or out wide is still a question mark. Uh, you know, Jaden Sancho, like we say, has not been back in training yet. He's one. That I think could be a bit more thrown into the match, just because you know he knows some of the other players. He... I'm
2: the opposite there. I I think Sancho will be eased in more than Varane would be, just because it is not he's. It's different. He's not used to the league in the same sense where it is far more intense than the Bundesliga. And um, when we've got other attacking players that can can just slot in, like and I think I think he'll start Martial and Greenwood to be honest. I don't. I think Sancho will be on the bench.
1: Yeah, I actually still expect Sancho to be on the bench. But for me, he could slot in easier than Varane. And for me, I'm more look at things like the fact that this is Sancho. He knows Shaw. He knows Maguire. All right, Rashford isn't playing, but he knows him. So he knows some of these players, and I think he'll be more comfortable fitting in. Uh, whereas Varane, he doesn't know. All right, Pogba obviously he knows. Apart from that. He doesn't know any of these players. The system is different. As I say, he's still under quarantine. When he's actually in training, we don't know. But yeah, look, who knows? We have to wait and see how these ones come in there. Uh, You know, if Martial gets to start the season, I guess actually Varane will know Martial as well from France, in fact, to be fair. Yeah, so there is a couple of players in there. Um, Martial's going to be very lucky to start this season after last year.
2: It means business, though. He's shaved his head.
1: Yeah, bald Martial has arrived
0: Uh. (laughs) I I thought he was Sorry, I just wanted to say I thought he was shocking against Everton But maybe that was just me Being half asleep watching it
2: But he just felt like Every time he touched the wall He was giving it away And he he slowed slowed down A counter attack at one point Which was a bit annoying It was just classic Martial really
1: I mean, it was a classic Martial, you say. I mean, Martial two years ago was brilliant, but Martial last season was way off it. He had an awful season. Um, I mean, to be fair to him off yet playing yesterday, he's not played since, I think, March, is it? So it's like, you know, coming up to like six months that he's been out injured, basically. Uh, so you could kind of forgive him for being a bit rusty. But yeah, he was not good at all. But uh, yeah, I think it is more than possible that he starts the season just because... We are not, you know, it's funny. It seems weird to say that we're low on options because when you look at our actual who was in our squad, we have just an embarrassment of riches of attacking lineup. But Martial's, uh, I mean, Rashford is injured. Obviously, Armad's out of the Olympics. Cavani's not back in training. Sancho's not back in training. So, yeah, it is more than possible that Martial does start next week.
2: I will say he did look up for it. There was, there was the right intensity there. He was just a bit rusty.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. He did look intense. It's just that his his body wasn't quite following his mind, if that makes yeah, exactly. sense. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Like, last season when he was in his poor form, the, the intensity wasn't there. And you could see that he just sort of didn't really look up for it. Whereas against Everton, he did, he did look like he wanted to affect the game.
1: I mean, I will say for Martial, it almost, this for me is kind of almost his last chance uh, you know, he's been at the club several years now. He's had, he had a great first season when he came through under Louis Van Gaal. Then he kind of struggled under Mourinho and a lot of people thought he'd leave. He stayed, seemed to have a rejuvenation under Ole. And did, I thought he was on his way to being converted to a proper number nine after that first season. But then last season, it just didn't happen for him at all. Uh you know, I don't know what was missing, what was wrong with him, but he just started the season badly. I think you know he was sent off right early on, and just seemed to go like downhill from there.
0: Mm.
2: I, to be honest, that was his last chance for me, really. Yeah. If if a, if a respectable offer came in this window, I'd be happy to sell him.
0: Well, I would have been happy to sell him if we had brought someone in as a replacement. Um, for me, he he covers a key position, which is that in between backup back for wingers as well, as well as Cavani. Um and mm. I don't I don't think we can afford to get rid of him even if in an ideal world we'd have a better 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 backup option there. Yeah. Not even now that we've got Sancho. Well Sancho's not going to cover Cavani if he's out. There's no other strike. No, but could.
2: Option.
0: Oh yeah, no that's a fair point. Um yeah, no I get what you're saying but I think you should always have free free yeah. players. Um, yeah. covering the centre-forward position, especially when Greenwood can play out wide as well and might even get starts in a wide position as well. It's, yeah, yeah. We have a very complex set of forwards in terms of what positions they can play and stuff. But I just think Martial feels like a keyhole in that mm. squad, even though he himself isn't the right man for it. But just tactically, he does fit a, a lot of key roles.
1: You're right, though, because we have Rashford, Martial... Greenwood, who can all play wide or centre-forward. I would personally say that, you know, Rashford, for sure, is better wide. Uh, Greenwood, I'm still unsure whether he's better as a wide player or better as a centre-forward. It'll be interesting to see how he develops this season. I mean, two years ago...
2: I I think, like Colm says, you've you've got to give him the chance. I, I think if you want to develop him into that number nine, you've got to give him the chance.
0: Definitely, and look... I've always said, look, look at how a player does at youth level and what traits did they have. And he looked a very natural centre forward at youth level. So he's clearly got those traits in there. Um, And I think he can translate it into men's football. But obviously, if you don't give him the chance to do it, it's going to just fade away from his game. Because unless Mm -hmm. you're, it's, it's like muscle memory, unless you're letting that player develop it again and again or giving him sustained periods in that position he's going to completely forget how to play centre-forward. So I would definitely have him as my uh, backup option for Cavani. Um, But then obviously, if there's certain injuries and you've got to put Greenwood out wide, then Martial comes in as as the third option. Yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, Mason Greenwood was one, the only outfield player who played the whole 90 in this Everton game. Uh, David De Gea did as well. The whole of the rest of the team, was changed i mean i think there was three changes at halftime a few more on the 60 minutes and lots of players got minutes there but yeah greenwood was the only one who played the whole match i think yeah i'm right he played the first half out wide and he played the second half up front yeah Uh, he obviously he did get a goal just from a mess up from them rather than any great play and i think that was the one thing about this game that we won 4-0 but none of the goals were really like great play or really nice moves or anything. Uh, You know, there was two set pieces, one was a mess up and even that last fourth goal uh, was kind of a scrambled goal from...
2: Bruno's goal came from a fantastic through ball by Maguire into, I think it was James who got clattered by was it Coleman? Which got us the the free kick. It It was a beautiful through ball. Well, the free kick was special. But the free kick was such,
0: good, yeah. Such a good hit. Um,
1: I mean, the free kick was special, but I just, I just think it's such a shame that it's in a preseason game. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, then you could say the same move about uh, Andreas Pereira's shot.
2: Ah, well, that that's the only time he scores, though, isn't it, really?
1: And that, that's exactly what said. That Andreas Pereira, he would never manage to do that in a game. He's that exact kind of player who has the technical skill, but it doesn't translate into game time. Uh, Bruno, you know, you think he should be capable of that, but actually his set pieces for us have not been that great. Has he scored a free kick for us in a proper game yet? I think
0: I, so. I think he has. He
1: might have had one or whatever, but he's had a lot of shots and they haven't been as out. So I was actually expecting his kind of free kick taking to be a lot mm. better than it has been. Mm. I think he, may, he has scored one or maybe two, but I was thought it would be better. Uh, and, you know, we want to see these kind of things in an actual match time. It's one thing doing it in preseason. It's a whole different deal doing it in actual game. Um, and, you know, like, if we look at some of the players who actually came on, there is some kind of interesting ones and what exactly is happening with them. Uh, I mean, Tuanzebi came on and now has just been confirmed he's going to be spending the year at Aston Villa. Uh, I'm a little bit unsure about that, but he has signed a contract extension. Um, I mean, I really didn't understand why he didn't play more minutes last season. And it definitely was not worth him sitting around playing even less minutes with Varane coming in. So yeah, he did have to go one way or another. I, I actually kind of thought it might have been the time just to cash in on him and bring in some money. But yeah, he's going back to Villa on loan. Hopefully he should get some minutes. Although, you know, they've got a pretty strong defense there. In Mings and Konsa were both pretty rated. So I don't know if he's, he's not going to be first choice. So yeah, we will be interesting to see how many minutes he plays for Villa over there. Uh, then the likes of Williams and Garner, who I think are both also expected to go for another loan. Um, and then, yeah, the only other one is Dallo. Uh, you know, we did kind of touch on him on the last pod, but yeah, Reese, what, what do you think about Diogo Dallo? You know, he's he had a semi decent season at Milan last year, had a pretty good summer, you know, ended up actually playing in the Euros. We've been linked a lot with Trippier um i don't know if that deal's going to happen seems clubs are still wide apart in valuation and yeah i personally i'm quite happy for Dallo to come back into the squad
0: i'm gonna be honest with you i think he's shit um, okay. he's, he's just he's uh someone who was very hyped up by our fan base when we signed him which was fair enough you know young guy who had been making champions league appearances um but the more i've watched this guy he just has that He's missing that yard of dynamism, just that bit of extra bit of friction in his play where he just reacts about half a second slower than everyone else. And going forwards, he's too slow, in my opinion, even though he's got some nice footwork. There's just not enough oomph factor there for me. Um, Defensively as well, he can... He again he looks a yard slow. He's always reacting rather than being proactive. I know people are saying at Milan he looked all right, but I mean when I spoke to some Milan fans, they weren't that impressed with him. And when I watched the footage myself, I just thought he's looking okay because of the slightly slower pace of the league. Um so for me, I, I don't think he's gonna cut it here uh long term. And I think we do need an I'd love to see someone like Max Aaron's come in
2: yeah um, yeah
0: he's a much better player in my opinion even this cash guy from villa um he, he's someone Mati who Kasha. Kasha, he's he's a lot better than diogo dalo so we need to be looking at players of that quality who are fast uh, attacking and someone that and they give an, a proper alternative to one bisak in terms of style so tactically you can change it up uh, Dalo's not going to be that type of player in my opinion
1: yeah, I mean, look, I actually would like Kieran Trippier and I would I would think that would be a good signing. You know, one, for the kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Two, again, he's an attacking player, uh, offers something different to one bissaka but uh, I think this, like I say, the clubs are wide apart in valuation, so I don't know if that's going to happen. But yeah, we should say that although the season kicks off next week, there's still another three weeks of the transfer window left. Uh, and uh, there's not been that much business done. I mean, we've done the most business uh, bringing in two players. I should say two like world-class players as well. You know, Sancho and Vrani. It's a long, long time since we've bought two players of that kind of profile and quality in the same window. Uh, you know, I think we had a little bit of a chat about it in our own little group and uh, I think it was mentioned that okay there was the Mourinho season where we bought in Pogba Mkhitaryan and Zlatan in one window and yeah fair enough those are all like three high profile signings although at the time you know Zlatan was considered kind of over the hill that he was coming from France, which was a lower quality league. And there wasn't, a, even though he was a big name, I think there wasn't that much expectation that he was going to be like playing week in, week out and scoring goals. And yeah, he surprised a lot that he came and absolutely smashed it that year. And it was a real shame that he ended up with that bad injury. Uh, we know, obviously, Mikaterin ended up being a flop, but he was high profile signing at the time, having been like, you know, Bundesliga player of the year. Quite, I mean, in ways, similar maybe to Sancho, a lot of goals, a lot of assists, and he'd done it for a couple of years. Um, and yeah, didn't end up working out. And yeah, Pogba, until literally two days ago, was still the British record signing. That now obviously is uh, Jack Grealish, Uh, I mean, just to say, I think it's an absolute ridiculous amount of money that's been spent on Grealish. Uh, I think he's a damn good player. I would have liked him at United, but I think 100 million is crazy money for a player who's still kind of unproven, uh, you know, who's played only kind of mid-tier Premier League. You know, I think he should have played more for England at the Euros, but the fact is that for whatever reason, Gareth Southgate did not think he was good enough to be starting all the time. He's never played European football. So yeah, I mean, to me, to be paying 100 million for that kind of player is madness. Uh, I mean, I know you've always been a massive fan of Grealish Reese, right? So how do you you feel about that signing going to City now?
0: I'm gutted, to be honest. And, you know, even though I saw him just play 20 minutes in the community shield, he just looked head and shoulders like the best player on the pitch in that 20 minutes. Um, So for me, I think he's going to be a really good player for City. The question is, is the rest of the team uh, tactically going to be the right fit for him? That's the big question. I think he himself will will settle in fine. They just need the right type of strikers um, to make the runs. They need someone penetrating if they're going to have Grealish in the side because the system's going to slightly change if Grealish is playing left wing because he's not going to be that left wing forward like a Sterling getting ahead of the striker. He's going to be like a playmaker coming in from the left. Um, but I would rather have him than Marcus Rashford. So for me, 100 million may seem much, but Rashford's price is probably around that 80 million bracket, Uh, if we're being honest. So uh, Grealish would be around that 90 million sort of bracket because you've got to consider his importance to Aston Villa and what would they be willing to receive in order to let him go. And as for Southgate, I thought some of his selections were borderline criminal at times. I think, um, I mean, credit to him for getting us to the final, but, you know, some of those midfield choices and the way he was waiting last ditch to put players like Grealish on, even though he he looked really good every time he was on the pitch. um, I don't think that's a reflection on Grealish's quality, more about Southgate's cowardice when it comes to attacking players. And I don't think Pep's going to have that same issue.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to see how he does. And, yeah, where exactly he plays and who drops out. I mean, City do have a lot of players in that kind of style already, you know, kind of attacking midfielders. And the thing they're obviously missing is a centre-forward. They're still being linked with Kane. That's why it's still a little bit difficult to go into, you know, what's our expectations for the season before the transfer window closes. We always talk about it around this time of year because, you know, the season's starting. But until this transfer window closes, it's difficult to finally, like, really pin uh, where you are on everything. Uh, I mean, as I said, Roy Keane was talking about saying, listen, City's done good transfer business. I think he's assuming that they're getting Keane because I don't actually see that Grealish improves their squad so hugely. I still think, you know, the deficiencies they had... Uh, up front and maybe even, you know, in a couple of like around the defence are still over there. Um, whereas, all right, Chelsea look like they're going to bring in Lukaku. Again, Striker was a big issue for them. Uh, I mean, Ed, like Lukaku, you know, he struggled for us a bit, has obviously gone out, done very well in Italy, looking like he's coming back a, another £100 million player, it's looking like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, do you, are you afraid of him coming back to the Premier League?
2: No, nah, not really. I think, I think he looks good initially because the the game's a bit slower. He's got more time on the ball. Um, don't don't get me wrong. You know, he takes his chances. He, well, he gets plenty of chances, and he'll take a chance if he's given it. But, he's not he's not the missing piece of the Chelsea team, in my opinion.
1: I actually think, look, he will improve Chelsea because you know up front. They were playing, yeah, Werner obviously had a poor season. Then he was playing Havertz at the end of the season. He's not really a striker. Giroud had games there. Tammy Abraham obviously doesn't seem to be fancied. So, yeah, they've had an issue at striker. Whatever, look, okay, Lukaku didn't do that well for us. But I think he did have one good season. I think he is a very good player. And that was a bit of an anomaly that season for us where he didn't. He is definitely way better than he showed that year. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, there is a bit of it, like, you know, what happens in Italy, but I think he will improve that Chelsea team more than I think Grealish is going to improve the City team. Um, so I, that's how I see those coming in over there. But yeah, at the end of the day, I think people are getting a bit too scared about what other teams are doing because we've done the best business so far this window. There is nobody else who's bought in two players of the quality that we've bought in. So, in terms of improvement to the squad, for me, Sancho and Varane, our squad from just pure transfer business, is the one that has been improved the most. I mean, Liverpool haven't really done anything. And then you know, I'm not even going to bother mentioning Arsenal, Tottenham or whatever, because they're not realistic yeah. uh, fighting for us for this over there.
2: Can I Can I ask Reese a question? Yep. It, it, was, it was talking about Varane earlier. And I was wondering, do you think that with Varane's introduction, that it will see the end of the double pivot in, say, games against the lower lower echelons of the league?
0: Well, that's a good point, actually. Um, having a defender that strong partnered with Maguire definitely should give license to um, putting a CDM in there. It's just the problem is we just don't have any options apart from Matic in that mm. position. But what I could see happening is, for example, let's just say you're going into the second half of the game and you're at home. There's like last 25 minutes, 30 minutes left and we got we need to go for the win then yeah, I am I can see that more confidence in, yep, let's just scrap the double pivot for now. We need to really go for the win, drop Matic into CDM, and we should be all right taking that risk with Veranda Maguire there. So yeah, I think uh, you're right there. That could definitely be uh, a, a shift in the management of games in the second half of games. But I don't think having Veranda there will give enough confidence for the, for the full 90 home and away to be uh, going with that no. single pivot, yeah.
1: No, I mean, I actually, I actually think that Varane bringing it is a game changer, and I, I disagree with that because I think that is what Ole is thinking about now, and why he thinks he's not going to need that double protection of like McFred in front of there. Because I think part of the issue was the likes of Lindelof and maybe even, you know, some weakness around like uh, Wan-Bissaka and was why he felt he needed to go with like two kind of safer options in midfield. Um And I think that now if you end up with Varane there, you can feel more confident just going with one. I also think that Scott McTominay, Can play in that position. I mean, he plays centre back for Scotland. So if somebody plays centre midfield and can play centre back at international level, that surely they can play defensive midfielder.
0: It's different. The way a centre back reads the game is very different to how a CDM reads the game versus how a CM box to box reads the game. It's just it takes different sort of spatial awareness and just decision making. I would say out of the three positions, you need the biggest IQ task is playing the CDM role um, it just takes a lot of defensive intelligence to do it and I think McTominay when he's at centre back he's usually playing in a back three so he's focusing on sort of one zone of the pitch when he's when he's defending and he does that job well and in a box-to-box role he 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 knows he's got Fred there to cover him if he's out of position whereas there's there's no forgiveness when you're the CDM you're you're basically the one that needs to wipe everyone's asses. And I don't think he's got that in him to do that. Um, so for me, and, and whilst we're talking about Varane, uh, you've got to consider um, he's had Casemiro in front of him for many years. And for France, mm. he's had the likes of Matuidi, Kante, etc. in front of him mm. as well. So he's, he's always played with a lot of defensive protection. Uh, so coming into a new league uh, and a team which will require more heavy lifting of him than he's ever had to do before, because he's played in stacked teams, basically. Um, I think it would be pushing it a little bit to say, oh, he can have just Matic in front of him and he's going to boss it. I think that'd be asking too much.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I am more worried, you know, in games against lower teams or whether it's like, you know, Carling Cup or whatever, I'd be okay with Matic. Sure, sure. I'm still not sure, you know, like I say, whether he's got the legs, Uh, you know, he can definitely play a part and... uh, You know, like I say, if he's playing bottom-half Premier League teams, maybe he can come in there, but. Uh, the, my actual bigger issue with saying whether McTominay can play defensive midfield is actually that he has a really good shot on him, scores important goals for us. And he obviously then won't be getting into those kind of positions. Um, and maybe he is more suited if you're in a kind of four, three, three and being one of the two more advanced midfielders. Um, Cause you know, we saw last season, apart from our strikers, he was the one who's actually scored the most goals, more even than the likes of Pogba. Um, and yeah, he's quite underrated in his kind of shooting ability. And you'll basically, you lose that if he ends up being a sitting midfielder. So yeah, maybe he's not suited to that. Um, Fred as well, I don't know if he can play that position. Again, for Brazil, he plays with Casemiro, like you mentioned, who is the sitting guy. And he's sent a bit more forward to just press and be like kind of high energy. And he's not really the holding guy. So, yeah, I do understand that people question that, yeah, we don't have that Matic a few years ago, Michael Carrick, or whether there is that kind of player. But I'd also say, like, you know, who is this, like, magical midfielder who's going to come in do the job of McTominay and Fred and be better at passing more creatively you know people talk about that oh we need to get this one guy in so that we can free up Pogba and play a more expansive way but yeah who is that guy you know I see names mentioned Rice Neves They're all good players, but I think there's a lot to be proven from all of them. And I don't know which one of these would be ready to step up and really take that position. Uh, None of them,
0: none of them in my opinion. So you're absolutely bang on there. The thing is, finding those type of players is like finding gold us. It's really, really hard. And when we missed out on Fabinho, that was a huge, huge, I think, you know, it, it took us, it hindered us a lot by not signing play player like that because they come around very rarely and he is the type of player that he would have been the mainstay of our midfield if we'd signed Fabinho. Um,
1: you say that though, but Fred has been selected ahead of Fabinho in every single game for Brazil in this Copa America. Yes,
0: because they like to play with two defensive mids and having Fabinho and Casemiro, it, they just don't gel well together so it's more of a chemistry thing because with Fred next to Casemiro with Fred you know he's going to go between the lines because mm. he's he's quite box to box whereas Fabinho and Casemiro both just like to sit in front of the defense so that's why they don't like to put those two together um so that's not to say Fred isn't a good player it's just he offers something a bit different which is he can go up and he can go down and what we need if we're going to go to four three three, 3 someone that just sits in front of the defense and we don't have anyone apart from Matic who really does that.
1: Yeah, I mean, the closest player to the likes so of, like I say, I'm always saying who's the next Michael Carrick. Maybe it is Neves who plays in that kind of style. but
0: Defensively but, shocking though.
1: Well, oh, yeah. I was going to say this step up, like to say, to go from being a good decent player for Wolves to saying that he's going to be the player who comes in and be a game changer for us. Like, I think that's way too much of a stretch. You know, he might become it in time, but he's nowhere near yet. And, you know, again, he's not a player who was starting for Portugal. Uh, you know, he was did not play that many games for them in the Euros. So he's not rated anywhere that level. Uh, you know, I see a lot of these names thrown around that people say, oh, if we get this player, it'll change everything for us. You know, and there's others like even Calvin Phillips, people talk about Ndidi. But yeah, I think they're all decent players, but I don't see that any of those players are that much better than what we've got already.
0: Ndidi's a good shot though, because look, when you're playing a double pivot, right, It's you're focusing on one half of the the pitch when you're a single CDM you need to cover both sides of the pitch so it's, it takes a lot out of your legs and he's someone who can actually play that single CDM I think because he's got that defensive coverage and positional awareness to be able to do it uh, so I think he's someone that could do it I think someone like Idrissa Gay a PSG someone that could potentially do it um, but again there's just not that many players around I mean people speak about Declan Rice but Look, one, he doesn't have the, for me, the ability to progress the play from the defensive third at the level no. you'd expect of a Manchester United. But two, he he's not played single CDM. He's been part of a double pivot for West Ham alongside Suchek. And then he was again part of a double pivot for England alongside Calvin Phillips.
1: Exactly. I made that exact point. I made that exact point and was like, "What? Well, how do people say he's going to be the game changer?
0: And... And if you recall, in the England games, he was getting done a lot when he was having to do. For example, he had to track um, who's that Bayern midfielder. I've completely lost his his name. Kimmich. No, no, no. The the Goretzka. Goretzka. Goretzka yeah. was getting in behind him, and he was like literally having to run after him from behind. Which is, you know, good CDM is not someone who's going to be reacting in that sort of way, having to chase players. They'd proactively have screened the situation in the first place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Goretzka, of course, is one we're linked with as well. He's in the same position as Pogba at the moment, going into his last year and his contract. And, you know, that would be the only way that I could be all right with Pogba leaving on a free, was if we managed to get somebody like him on in on a free next summer, then you'd say, well, then it's okay, because, you know, he's a top, top player as well. Sounds uh, like he's agent taught though. because Yeah, um, look, as I say, who knows.
2: Close to agreeing a new one, I think, now.
1: Yeah, could well be. Um, But yeah, look, let's go. Like I say, the big question for me of this pod is, do you two think that we are ready to challenge for the league here? As I said, saw some comments from Roy Keane and the uh, Charity Shield yesterday and uh, well done to Leicester City by the way for Mm -hmm. (laughs) spoiling City's start to the season Um, yeah well done there but uh, yeah Roy Keane thinks that we're still a player or two away I disagree with him I think our squad is ready I don't see any glaring weaknesses in it Um, it's just a shame that there's a couple of players missing from injury and we haven't had the perfect kind of pre-season but i think as you said race it's the same for all the other top clubs this season whereas last year it was only really us and city because we'd gone deep in the european competition that we were the ones that had the worst kind of pre-season issues. Whereas this year it's been similar for all of the kind of top six or so. So it hopefully shouldn't affect us any different than any of those others. So look, I don't say that we're definitely going to win, but I think we are ready to. Uh, So Ed, where where are you at on that?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I certainly see what Roy's saying. Um, I... We were talking before, and Reese Reese answered this saying, What? Well, why not? I guess I've stolen his son there, but I also feel like why not? Like we we've got the attack. Our attacking lineup is as good as City's. Perhaps not as deep, but it's certainly as as good. It, it it'll score goals this season, and we've we've improved the defense. I just, I'll I, I bet Alex that I get we go within five points. We didn't, but I don't see why we wouldn't finish at least second, at least.
1: Yeah, that was it. We went pretty close last season. I mean, all right, we didn't push City till the end of the season. uh, But yeah, we were top of the league after Christmas, finished second. There was a lot of matches, you know, you think about there was those matches like Sheffield United, West Brom, uh, where we threw away points over silly goals. Well, you know, the likes of Varane should change that. And then there was other games where we weren't managing on the creativity side just to break through and get that one goal, even though we had lots of play. And you think somebody like Sancho is going to make the difference for that. So to me, you know these are the two players who will come in and make the difference uh i mean reese are you agreed with us or are you still worried about these guys who think we can't do it with the midfield options we've got
0: no I, I think you know you've got to look at it relative to the to the title challenges and i think now when you look at our team it's really hard to say that team's going to finish below top four so i think top four should be an absolute given based on the squad. So now you're looking at it, okay, have we progressed from last season? I'd say, yeah. Have our rivals really, really progressed? Now, obviously, I disagree with you about Grealish. I think he's a fantastic player, but that doesn't mean I think City have massively improved that squad. Uh, I don't think they have. Um, so I could, we're going to intimidate a lot of opposition just when they see our starting lineup and they see that back four. They're going to think to themselves... How the fuck are we going to break through that back four? So that's so already we're going to be in the opposition's head because they're going to have to play out of their skin to break that uh, back four, especially if you've got McTominay and Fred protecting it as well. So I think in every single game, we're going to be competitive just because we've got battlers in defence, we've got quality in defence and we've got those battlers in midfield. So it just comes down to the attacking chemistry and to feel attacking chemistry doesn't need to be absolutely on point to maybe nick 1-0 wins and etc etc? And I think we've got enough versatility in terms of our options to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I would expect a title challenge and I cannot see why we wouldn't be right up there. Uh, but like I said, it's between those top four clubs, I think City, Chelsea, uh, United, Liverpool, and I would put us right amongst the mixer there.
2: I'd I'd also like to say Sancho does make a huge difference because in the last campaign you could sort of teams only had to mark the their right hand side of the pitch and there was virtually nothing coming from their left hand side, our our right. And having Sancho on that wing.
0: Sorry, Ed, I was just going to say one of the things that I hope United fans don't get sort of sucked into is thinking Sancho is gonna completely resolve that issue because he's someone who loves to come off the flank and play make so yeah, yeah. so he's someone who's he's not going to always hold the width and i think that no. is going to be a tactical issue potentially for united
2: i i also think it's another creative outlet that we didn't have previously that other teams will have to think about
0: yeah i mean if we had a more attacking right back then it wouldn't be an mm. issue but but at the same time wan bisaka could grow into that, I'm hoping. Yeah. Um, that, that's what I'm hoping for, that he just really improves his attacking play this season. And if he can do that, then we're okay.
1: And I think one beside, I think he did improve for sure. But all right, right. improved from a low place. To be fair, yeah, he was very bad to start with. And he, but he definitely did get better, and he did rack up some assists. Uh, You know, he already had one assist in preseason as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, he's not like the natural attacking right back. You know, his attributes are more on the defensive side. But he definitely did improve on it. And you know, as a young player, there is definitely space for more improvement there as well. Uh, And the one thing I'd hope as well is that once he gets a solid, regular partner in front of him, mm-hmm. that he can get some kind of understanding. Because that was a big problem for Wan-Bissaka. Whereas on the left side, for most of the season, it was Shaw and Rashford. And then, all right, I know Pogba did play sometimes and sometimes it was somebody else. But they had like quite an understanding. Whereas on the right side, he had constantly changing in front of him, Wan-Bissaka. Whether it was James sometimes, then you know Rashford played there sometimes. Uh, You know, so that was an issue for him. Shaw will do what
2: Shaw does, irrespective of who's in front of him.
1: Yeah, but there's a big difference between players getting understandings. You know, partnerships on the pitch make a big, big difference. And I said last season, when we had that, when Rashford was fully fit... You know, they were really motoring. Uh, Whereas, you know, Juan Bisaka has never really had somebody to really link with, you know, whether Greenwood sometimes, James sometimes, the Rashford played there. He's never had one guy to just say, all right, you're the one. And I'm hoping, yeah, he can then get this understanding with Sancho, even if he's not, like you say, he's not the hug the line winger who's going to stay out there, but he's still the player who will be around that side. Yeah. Uh, And you want to see that kind of partnership growing there. Uh, You know, I mean, look, basically, look, we're all kind of agreed that we think. We are ready to go for this challenge here. Yeah, we will revisit this question at the end of the transfer window because it is a little bit difficult at the moment. You know, obviously, if something like Harry Kane comes in at City, maybe it changes the picture. Um, there will be other transfer business in the next few weeks. and I mean, yeah, I'm expecting as well that surely uh, players will be going out from us as well. I mean, I think possibly our, us bringing anyone else in may depend on sales, uh, you know, and whether it's Pereira, Dallo, I don't know, you know, Jesse Lingard, we haven't mentioned because he had COVID, so he wasn't involved, but a lot of people expected we might have cashed in on him this summer, whereas now it's looking like maybe he wants to stay and prove that he is a United quality player. Uh, you know, that's another question we might get onto on another time. Cause yeah, I'm just wary of the time here. Um, I do want to talk a bit about the Leeds game, which is obviously the next match just before we do. I want to give a shout out to manscaped who really yeah helped us out and supported the podcast last season. I've agreed to help to keep sponsoring for the next couple of months, at least uh, just, ready now for all of you aboard of it you're gonna hear my 60 second manscape blurb again but yeah ready for an out of world experience fellas look no further than the performance package 4.0 from manscaped this has just taken off not only in the usa but also now in canada uk across europe australia south africa and singapore in this package you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer the weed whacker ear and nose trimmer the crop preserver deodorant crop reviver toner performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system of trimming goodies. Uh, The fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and I will say like I've had the we've had the 3.0 and yeah I was always very impressed by this stuff uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bug Manscaped a bit and say I want the new one to see what the <laughs> difference is and see what happens over there but yeah look anyone who's interested have a head over to manscaped.com the code united hour will get you 20% off anything on the website
2: what are we going to do with the 3.0 if you get one
1: yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll, we'll give it away as a prize. Yeah, yeah. you can use my used uh, <laughs> my my used trimmer. Uh, yeah. Don't, maybe yeah, that'll that'll actually go up in value because I've used it, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, you could send it out for all eight. the
1: fanboys out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whoever wants it have uh, it. But yeah, look, let's just do a quick preview of that Leeds game before rounding off this week. Um, I will be at Old Trafford, and uh, fellow, yeah there will be two other of the podcast team will be there Imran and Alex uh, we're all looking forward to get back over there even though yeah I've heard some people uh, my wife was saying I can't believe you're going to this match it's still going to be some kind of COVID super spreading event basically but uh Look, 75,000. I think it was 55,000 people were in Old Trafford yesterday for that Everton game. So it was already getting close to capacity. And yeah, full full houses expected next weekend all around the Premier League. Obviously, the English Championship already kicked off. So yeah, there's been fans in stadiums up and down the country already. Uh, and yeah, look, I'm massively looking forward to get back over there to have a game the size of Leeds as well first off is huge huge just a shame that it's that lunchtime kickoff that always means there's a bit less drinking time so there's a, sometimes it means there's a bit less of an atmosphere but i'm hoping because it's been so long since it's happened that everybody will be bang bang up for it um leeds haven't really done any major transfer business this summer i saw they bought in uh, i think right back from barcelona junior firpo and made permanent he was on loan jack harrison who was yeah, quite a good player for them last season out wide he's now gone permanent but apart from that they've not done any other business uh you know they had a pretty decent season we smashed them at old trafford and then had that nil nil with them towards the end of the season at ellen road uh you know impressive first season for them everybody obviously talks up bielsa um reese uh you, we, we've got to get this season off to a win right I mean, I mean, we actually have a relatively easy on paper start to the season. So there really isn't that many excuses for not really getting straight into gear. And that was the problem last year. Uh, you know, we've got Leeds, then Southampton, then Wolves, then Newcastle. So, you know, they couldn't really look that better on paper for us. But yeah, what would you be expecting from this first Leeds matchup?
0: I mean, obviously you'd be expecting a win, um, you know, just based on, like, I haven't heard any great things coming out from Leeds in terms of their transfer stuff. Um, But it's just really hard to call, to be honest. It's just that Hmm. we don't really know where our team properly is, I don't think. And we don't really know where the opposition is in terms of uh, progression. So it's just one of those, obviously you're hoping for a win. um, But I think once two weeks are into the season, that's when we're going to start getting a clearer picture of where players are in terms of fitness how everyone's gelling um and yeah so my expectations are yeah hopefully we get a win but I'm not gonna pull my hair out if we don't
1: yeah I mean you want to get it like I say it is always weird and we um that's my only slight hesitancy about just saying this season we're gonna smash it was because we had such a disappointing last start to last season because of how the summer went
0: I don't think it'll be as bad I don't think it will be as bad um, as last season because I do think uh, Varane and Sancho, as much as we want to ease them in, I think Oli will get them into the side uh, sooner rather than later. Um, It's just the first game of the season, probably it could catch us cold, but I'm hoping by the third game we click.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, and you know, to start off this season, we are just playing yeah weekly basically. Uh, I'm not too sure where the cups come in straight away. I don't think yeah, Champions League draw is the end of August. Uh, I don't know if we have any Carling Cup games to deal with, Carabao Cup, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, Ed, what are you expecting from this Leeds game?
2: Well, Bielsa will know what where we're at because he'll have a, have his drones out, won't he? Um,
1: <laughs> I
2: I'm hopeful for a win. I don't see why not. A a good game. Everyone has fun. That's what I want. I want for everyone to have fun.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll definitely be having fun. Uh, Yeah, I, I think we might. We'll see, you know, Leeds were kind of very tactically naive against us at Old Trafford last season. and We smashed them. And then in the return leg, Bielsa went very, very defensive, which is not normal for him. And, uh, you know, ground out this kind of nil-nil. I'll expect Leeds to come a bit more like that this time rather than the kind of gung-ho style they came at Old Trafford last year. And, you know, I think we're going to be having to work hard to break them down. But I think we will do. Uh, You know, it was, like I said, a good kind of morale booster to get this win against Everton. And I think, yeah, the players back in the full Old Trafford for the first time since March 2020, I think mean, that is going to ultimately make the difference for us and get us the three points in this first game. Uh, yeah. And you know that that confidence boost. Then that you know that was the problem. Like I said last year, we just didn't have that start and we're playing catch up for like the first several months of the season. It wasn't until Christmas that we really got going. Um, but yeah, we need that boost. And then, as I say, Southampton away, Wolves away, Newcastle at home. I mean, you really think like, all right, you're not going to win every game straight off but we couldn't have a kind of better start to the season really uh, it's not really until you start looking more towards october when we have a difficult month uh leicester away liverpool at home spurs away it's, we we have a, like i say a sl- on paper an easier start to the season and then it really ramps up with a crazy october uh, when we'll also have champions league games thrown in the middle as well so yeah we need to start well because it's going to get very difficult very quickly Uh, So yeah, let's see where we go from there. I'm not going to ask you for predictions of where we're finishing this season until the transfer window is closed. Mm -hmm. But I think we're all feeling pretty confident, right, going into this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, look, and yeah, why wouldn't we be? Like I say, we finally have had a mega kind of transfer window of terms of quality. And yeah, I, I still think somebody else will come in before the end of this window. I don't know who, and it might not be somebody who's a top class, but I think uh, we'll bring in somebody else. There'll be a few outs. And as I say, zebi has gone on low and a couple of others. Pellestri also confirmed back to Alaves. Saw actually Tythe Chong played for Birmingham yesterday and got man of the match in the championship. Uh, I mean, possibly that is his level and that's where he'll end up playing somewhere around there. But there will be several other players going out on loan before the end of this window. We will reconvene after this first match of the season. And as I say, we'll wait till kind of the end of the transfer window to really nail our colours to the mast of where we're finishing. But we're feeling confident going in. Let's see how we get on with this first game. And, yeah, I'm just looking forward to this season. And, yeah, you will hear from us, hopefully, on a weekly basis uh, if we can sort our things out. And, yeah, we'll be back all the time over here. So I think that'll be about us for this this week. All right. Good night. And we will see you after the Leeds win. (laughs) Good night.